0: What's up, Lions of Liberty fans? You can now support this show on Patreon and get exclusive access to bonus audio and video content, including Conspiracy Corner, Degenerate Gamblers, bonus segments with guests, and so much more. Head on over to patreon.com slash Liberty. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty
1: podcast. Here's your host, your guide. Your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire.
0: What up, Lions? Welcome back to another edition of the original OG flagship Lions of Liberty podcast hosted by yours truly, Each and every Monday, and of course, it's not just me here at Lions of Liberty. This coming and every Wednesday, you get Brian McWilliams bringing you your weekly shot of comedy, culture, and liberty with Electric Liberty Land. As well as John Odie Odermatt wrapping things up every single Friday on Felony Friday. And boy, did he have an amazing interview with Juanita Broderick, uh, One of Bill Clinton's many, many accusers, but maybe the one who has gone into the most detail about their incident uh, with the former president. So uh, that is really an incredible interview that you just have to listen to. And you can not only listen to that interview, you can see that interview because John actually did record that in video. But that is only available to people that sign up over at our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty, because the Lions of Liberty pride is moving itself all the way over to Patreon. And trust me, it is going to be a much better experience. If you're already in the Pride, please do cancel your Podbean account and sign up over at Patreon. And if you haven't joined the Pride yet, well, what are you waiting for? This is the perfect time. Many of you support many other different podcasts out there, Libertarian and otherwise, or just different creators in general. And if you already have a Patreon account, it's as simple as clicking that button. So please do check out what we're doing on Patreon. We're really looking to raise some more funds to uh, not only pay for our trip to Porkfest, but just five days later, John Odermatt and myself are going to head to the Libertarian National Convention in New Orleans. We're also going to be attending the big Mises Caucus event put on by our friend Michael Heiss. That's going to feature people like Tom Woods, uh, Michael Bolden, Eric July and backwards. It's going to be awesome. We are so excited to go there and cover this event for you guys. So any little bit helps. Uh, We have many, many rewards, many, many goals. You can find it all over at Patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Uh, Now to get down to business for this show, this is the 347th episode of this program. And you can find today's show notes over at lionsofliberty.com slash 347. Very excited about today's guest, who I was able to get on the fly. I actually had a great interview with Stephen Clyde of the uh, Peace and Liberty podcast. I will bring that to you, interview to you one way or another, but I did have technical difficulties this week. My MacBook is in the shop, and with it, that interview. So uh, we will either recover it eventually, or uh, we'll redo it. He's offered to redo it, because he's a great guy. But check out the Peace and Liberty podcast in the meantime. But luckily, on the fly, I was able to get a very special guest from across the pond. So let's check it out. Hi, my guest today is the chair of the Dutch Libertarian Party in the Netherlands. I'm very pleased to welcome Mr. Robert Valentine. Robert, are you ready to roar? Let's rock and roll. All right. We can roar, we can rock, we can roll, we can do it all. (laughs) And uh, Robert, we'll discuss more about um, how you came into your role in the Dutch Libertarian Party and uh, sort of the state of liberty in the Netherlands in a bit. But first, I want to learn a little bit more about you. So why don't you start by just discussing how you first became interested in the ideas of liberty?
2: Uh, Well, I think I've always been uh, um, politically, you know, interested and not really active, but always uh, watching the geopolitical, um, uh, um, uh, um, how you say that, Uh, stuff going on in the world. Um, uh, Current
0: events and that sort of thing.
2: The current events, yeah. uh, My dad is uh, is an American and my mom is Dutch. So I always had an interest in in American politics. And that's when I came across uh, Ron Paul who was the only guy making sense to me in, uh, in, in the American political landscape. And, uh, I started reading his book and, uh, I started to learn that he's a libertarian. I learned he's a libertarian. Uh, and I, uh, uh I, I, I then tried to uh, seek out uh, the Libertarian Party in the Netherlands, see if there was one here. And there was, so uh, I joined them.
0: The rest is history. So wh- when you first learned about Ron Paul, uh, were you normally following like the American political scene over there in the Netherlands, or did you just kind of happen to come upon like a YouTube video or something like that?
2: No, it was more like a YouTube. I think it was... because uh, um, I was always really uh, um, amazed about how some... Elements in the or maybe a lot of elements in the United States government think that you know by Going into other countries and bombing them to shit will make it a better place somehow and he was like he's always been opposed to doing that and bringing back of course the overseas presence of the uh, United States and That's made so much sense to me that I started listening to other stuff and then I read this book uh, uh, revolution and manifesto and um, uh, and I saw, of course, some, some mostly through YouTube, mostly through, you know, uh, online media. I I, I uh, came across his uh, um, his his words.
0: And I know your father's American. He said so. How long did you did you live in the United States uh, for very long as a child, or have you always lived in the, in the Netherlands?
2: Uh, my dad was in the United States uh, Air Force, so he was stationed in, uh, in 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 the Netherlands, and that's how he met my mom. Then she traveled uh, uh, with him from Germany to Turkey. I was almost born in Turkey, but my mom couldn't uh, really uh, handle uh, uh, um, being there as a woman back then. So right. uh, she, she moved back uh, to uh, uh, um, uh, the Netherlands. I got born there and then we moved to Houston, Texas and uh, we lived there uh until i was three i think almost uh, around three and then my parents got divorced and then i moved back with my mom to the netherlands so i i did live there uh you know the early early uh days of my life and um i tried to go back every year
0: right and i believe you were actually in texas uh not too long ago is that yeah, right uh, visiting right. some uh, libertarians there
2: yeah, I was. Well, so I've been going uh, back and f- back there since I was 18, but I um, um, haven't been there uh, for six years until October. Then I went back for um, a visit and then I went to Texas and Louisiana. I usually go to Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, where my family lives. And this year, that was the first time I also went to California.
1: Gotcha,
0: gotcha. And now, yeah, you, you, I know that you're also a member of the United States Libertarian Party. So, how did you go about joining uh, the Libertarian Party over here? I, I don't imagine there are that many people who are members of Libertarian Party in two different countries.
2: Uh, that's I don't think I don't know any, but besides myself, uh, <laughs> you who, who, might be the only one. <laughs> I might be the only one. Yeah, yeah. Why did I join? was that your question? Why? Did yeah, well, I... yeah. How, how did you
0: come about? You know, joining joining the, the U.S. Libertarian Party as well.
2: Uh, Well, I just felt like supporting both parties, you know, I I am very active in the the Dutch Libertarian Party, um, but I also like to see what's going on in the United States Libertarian Party because, you know, um, I was in Prague uh, two weeks ago for a a convention called the International Alliance of Libertarian Parties. And um, maybe people in the States don't know. You, uh, usually the States, you know, for Americans, the world ends at the borders for the States anyways, but there's a whole world outside of there, but there are also a lot of libertarian parties outside of the United States. Um, and there, there um, well, there, there's a gathering, uh this, this alliance who tries to um, show to the world that it's an international movement. Um, uh, and I think the the United States Libertarian Party was, of course the uh, example for all these parties to start the dutch the party is one of the oldest it started in 1993 Uh, most parties in europe are way younger than that some of them don't even uh, are not around for for longer than than you know five years oh wow um so but the united states party is the example is where we where we where we look at and of course when you do well um uh, of the united states party does well um the European party does well, then uh, we do well, you know, we get more media attention uh, uh, and stuff like that. So um, I think it's I want to be connected to the party in to learn and to see how's it going and to and to copy strategies uh, for for the party over here, because we are younger. Uh, uh, than you so we still have to you know mature a lot more Um, I'm trying to bring this party to be a more like a political party and less like a philosophical debate group because I believe uh, oh that's a debate also I was in Belgrade before that and I talked to uh, David Friedman about his stance on how uh, the Libertarian Party should you know uh, uh, um, um, present themselves Uh, And he believes that they, uh, he he made an example, uh, a comparison with the Socialist Party in the United States. And I said they never had any political influence, but they were a major influence on the Democratic Party and pulling them more to the left. And he says, I see, like his father, he said um, that the Libertarian Party in in any country, but, uh, you know, he's from the States, should have that same function, that they are actually only there to pool, in your case, the, Liberal- the Republican Party more to, you know, uh, a non-Otarian, a, a, a libertarian uh, um, ideal. Right. So I actually try to do a, a more of a political, I really want to try and get political influence in the Netherlands myself of as a party uh, to start doing liber- libertarian uh, things. But I think the United States has been a great, you know, uh, example uh, and um, I'm actually also considering at some point maybe moving back to the States and uh, and maybe running for office there.
0: Oh, very cool. So would you disagree with David Friedman's view then uh, in terms of how you view the Libertarian Party um, in the Netherlands? Do you see it more as something you want to grow into, I guess what you might call like a legitimate you know, political party where you are actually gaining office and making headway that way as opposed to simply trying to influence the dialogue philosophically?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm also in the in the in the um, works of starting a, a think tank, and I think uh, what David Friedman is describing is more the work of of a think tank. Uh, I'm currently enrolled in the Atlas Leadership Academy from the Atlas Network, which is an, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's a yeah, network. Uh, Of, you know, free market uh, thinking uh, uh, um, associations, foundations, um, big donors are involved uh, uh, there. Um, And if you get a certification from them, you are able to get uh, donors. uh, uh, You have more access to more donors to them. Uh, and and the first lesson they they give you when you want to start start or having a think tank is that I think uh, actually they give this great uh, uh, story about uh, about London or about United United Kingdom uh, after World War II and uh, there was this uh, guy named I think his name was Fisher um, who um, was really dreading the fact that the united kingdom was moving towards you know more socialist uh, uh um thinking and that the labor party was getting so much ground and he said i have to stop this i want to uh, i want a I, wa- I want a different approach and he he read the book from from hayek uh, the road to serve them, and he thought this is this is the guy I gotta meet. And he was still living uh, then, so he said I have to meet him and um, I have to tell him my idea to start a political party based on his principles, based on libertarian principles. So they met back then, and he told him his story. And here, and Hayek said, "Well, that's I think that's a terrible idea. I think um, I think politicians are like uh, corks on water." Where the water is the public opinion, you know, they just go along with the flow, they just go along with whatever the public opinion is. You need to change the climate of ideas, you know, and this is this is a thing a think tank does. That's So this guy, this fisher, he started the um, um, Institute of Economic Affairs, you know, the first uh, free market think tank in the United Kingdom. And, you know, they believe that, that that what he did with this think tank and the research he did and, 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 and you know, the lobbying he did made way for Margaret Tex- Thatcher to come to power. And then in, in turn, she, you know, she reversed a lot of the, the, the nationalizations and, and she, uh, um, she made the country, you know, uh, a, a, a bit more freer than it was before. So I think what David Freeman was describing, uh, um, um, I see that more... Something to do uh, uh, the job of a think tank, and I think the right. political party uh, needs to uh, have political. That's why a political party. You know, else you can you can t- change the whole uh, uh, organization and put and change into a think tank and uh, and campaigning campaigning in a different way. But you you we over here and you too spend a lot of time and effort on getting ballot access and you know running campaigns, which which uh i think needs to have a return on investment now if you don't want to have office you can spend all those time and efforts on doing other stuff in getting people in reaching people but as long as you're a political party try to get you know political office which is a little bit more easier also in, in the united states because you have so many elected officials on lower levels you know our first possibility for getting elected is uh city council uh-huh. but on the other hand uh, uh um uh, There's no, the system is also that like for Congress, if you get 0.7% of the votes, then you have a seat in Congress. So um, the the levels to get elected are like more on a higher level, but to get there is relatively more easy than the United States.
0: Wait. So, uh, what well, was that again? You said if, if you get zero point seven percent of the vote, you can be in Congress. Is that right? Yeah. So we
2: don't have the district system you have in the United States. You know where you have a, a you know a congressman which is from your from, from your district. Right. But we just we have like uh, um, national lists. Every party makes a list of people they um, uh, they want to run for what we call parliament, actually, which is equivalent to your you know to your Congress. Right. And so all the votes are collected, and then they decide. They see how many people voted, and they just divide that number by one hundred and fifty, the amount of seats we have in in parliament, and uh, the, that amount of votes uh, is what uh, is what the uh, uh, it, it takes to get a, a seat in parliament. Which makes you know a hundred divided by one hundred and fifty is like zero point six seven seven seven, I think. So yeah, only zero point seven percent is needed here to uh, to get a seat in, uh, in parliament or your Congress equivalent.
0: Wow. That is, a ve- that is a very different system.
2: It is. Yeah.
0: So do you, are there actual uh, Libertarian Party members that have, have been able to get into Congress through that system or Congress, I'm sorry, parliament in that system?
2: No, no, unfortunately not. And I think most of it uh, is due because we, we, um, Well, here, I think that the climate is way more state status than in the United States. Like, like you said, I was in the States in October and it has been six years since the last time I was there. So it was also the first time I went back since like officially becoming like libertarian or, you know, being affiliated with the Libertarian Party and having a position there. So I, of course, had political talks there with the Libertarian Party people, but also with, you know, my family. Uh, which is uh, uh, African American and more likely to be Democrat, you know. Uh, um, but I noticed that I could sway them way more easy towards the principles of libertarianism than I can do in, in in the Netherlands. I had to I had to learn so much which words to use and what not, you know, because a lot of people um, um, like the free market and capitalism. I think in the United States is also not that popular. But it's still more commonly used than here. Like if you say capitalist here or something like, or economically right or conservative, like then you're like you're you shunned. Like that. That's, <laughs> those are
0: those are very uh, dirty uh, words. There. It's very right?
2: dirty. Yeah, it's very yeah. nasty. So yeah, I,
0: I mean, I'd say here to certain segments. Like I live here in California. They kind of are dirty words out here. But where <laughs> if, if you go to Texas or something like that, it wouldn't be a dirty word at all. You'd find a lot more people that say, oh yeah, I can you know, I can understand that and have a conversation from that point. Whereas for mm-hmm. you, it might be just. You know that's a that's the end of a conversation if you bring those words up.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and like so, I never use those words anyway. So I learned to avoid them. And I learned to explain what I think without using certain words. Uh, but I I also still hear still hear that that creates some. It's it's difficult, but you know, with the people I met in the United States, it was uh, it was way easier. So yeah, definitely. If I'm not if I'm not, and I like California too. You know, I like the, the environment and not so much maybe the politics, but. Um so yeah maybe maybe if um if I learned enough and uh, I did my job here in in 4 years I will uh come and join you and run uh, run for congress for the for the LP uh in California
0: all right, well, that, that would certainly be interesting. Now, uh, how else can you explain a little bit more how the governmental structure works in the Netherlands as opposed to the United States? And, you know, here we have Congress and the Senate, and then we also have the administrative branch of the president, and then we also have the Supreme Court. So there's sort of those, those I guess, three branches of government that are mm-hmm. supposed to theoretically balance each other out. How does it work in the Netherlands? You've got the parliament. Right
2: yeah yeah so um, yeah, w- what we have we also have like a Senate and and, and a Congress, so it's co- it's called uh, uh, the first and second chamber. Um, uh, and they work the same way as, as you do. So one proposes a loss and the second one you know has to uh, 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 more or less can veto them or change them or send them back um, uh, but they don't do not initiate initiate laws uh, that that's up to the to the to the second chamber the Congress. Then what we have is called like we don't have a presidency. So when we have when we have parliamentary elections, like we had last year, um, the party who gains the biggest uh, amount of seats is the one who can form a cabinet, like the one who can form a government, uh, and and uh, and the front runner of this party will become what we call minister president. Uh, we, we were actually a monarchy, so like the head of state is actually the king. Um, to some, say he's he's only ceremonial because uh, he, he he doesn't really do anything that we can see, anyways. Like in 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 um uh in the executive branch, but the law does says he can he can stop any law from becoming law. So if he's not agreeing with it, actually he can he can st- he could still stop it, but he never does it because um, I think that will be the end of his uh, um, tax free existence, and he, they will kick him out of his. Uh, um, his existence as he is right now as a king in this uh, so but no, right,
0: i think it's similar in england and that kind of thing where in theory the the king or queen does sort of have absolute power in the sense yeah. they could dissolve parliament they could do these exactly. things but in our in our modern society and the way everyone views government in those countries that would just not happen because there would be you know just just madness and protests exactly. in the streets yeah. and it wouldn't go it wouldn't go over very well
2: no but he could exactly because he has to sign everything that goes in uh uh i think everything that goes into law uh and he ha- you know he appoints parliament second and first chamber he, yeah so and he appoints even so like mayors here on are unelected so mayors get appointed by the king actually and um his um I'm not sure what the name is is commissaries is that an English word yeah so the commissaries of the king uh, they appoint the the uh, the mayor, so it's really um, medieval. Like we had a change in 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 from queen to king. what Was it four or five years ago? And it was this whole ceremony. I had to laugh with a friend of mine. It looked so medieval. Like this guy, right. when when the king came up, like this guy had this big staff and he stomped the floor three times and he and he said the king. And then he came in and it was like <laughs> totally medieval. But, it, so, it kind
0: of blows your mind that there are still uh, places all over the world where this is still a thing is. in 2018.
2: It is, and you know, the last time that happened. So when our queen came to power, there were rights everywhere. So you know, we're getting a really docile bunch over in, in 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 Europe where we do not oppose the state and it's 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 you know, it's agents anymore. Uh, so um, yeah, that it's it's really weird. But so we but after like how it works here is that. Um, so the biggest party has to has to make a cabinet, but you can only do that with like if you have a majority in in the second chamber, so 75 seats at least. Uh, so you have to have 76 actually to to uh, to. That's how they do. Actually, you don't have to, but that's how they form a cabinet. They say, well, if you want to have you know absolute power, then we need to form a, a coalition with parties so we have more um, we have a majority in a, at least the second chamber preferably also in the first chamber so any law these parties decide to you know any any policy decide putting forward will get voted um uh uh in favor of even though it shouldn't be that way because you know parliament is the is the is the institution which you check the cabinet you know that's that's how it's in in our, uh, our constitution is it is, um, uh, is 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 put that that way but um, and and city council the same thing but you see always that the, you know the full opposition usually votes against and the full uh, you know uh, supporting parties of the cabinet for vote vote in favor of any law that that they put forward so then we have a president and a well we we call them ministers actually so uh, every head of a department has a minister and and uh, uh, a secretary of state so and they uh, they're the head of the of the department and uh, and um uh, responsible for the policies that come out of that that uh, department so that's like the federal government uh, then we have like provinces which actually is kind of useless here they like they in they they get taxes on um, um the like the road taxes we have uh, they have a lot of money actually i think there's a, they're the ri- the richest part of government in the netherlands and they have like every province has billions uh, which they don't really spend on anything cuz they only talk about uh, windmills i heard from a friend who's uh, who who's, who's one of the uh, um, provincial state members and then we have city council um which is actually the same as the federal construction only on a lower level so you have a uh, city council made out of um uh 30 15 10 people depending on how big the the, the city is uh and they form uh, a mayor's cabinet uh, uh headed by headed by a mayor which is appointed by the king and um they decide on the the, the local laws which is really really uh thin i i used to work i, I work for the city of amsterdam and they used to do the deregulation program there. And then you see that the the uh, amount of regulation that comes forth from city council is really slim. So most laws and policies are all decided by federal government. And that's, that's, that's where you have to be if you really want to change something. Right. So,
0: you now you mentioned earlier how, you know, a lot of these terms you might use in the United States and then be able to at least have a conversation like free markets and that sort of thing are very dirty words over there. So how do you approach uh, discussing libertarianism and the ideas of liberty with, uh, you know, your fellow, uh, what do you call yourselves, fellow Dutchman? <laughs>
2: um, yeah, 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 d- Dutchman. Yeah, what, we tra- what I'm trying to uh um like what i'm trying to sell is the idea of like uh, uh um um uh, i'm not sure the english term but like a radical democratization like it's not sure if it's a good english word but like make the world like radically more de- um um
0: you use terms that they're familiar with like democracy and de- democratization yeah. even if you're talking yeah. about something else
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. So, what I see, like, the, I, th- I think the biggest uh, form of uh, democracy, demarc- I-, I can't even pronounce. <laughs> it's a
0: tough biggest. word even for me. D- democratization, uh, I guess you could. Yeah, say.
2: Yeah, democratization, democratization. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That that is like is the the uh, self ownership. You know, like right. uh, um, decentralized until the lowest level, which is the individual. You know, so that's what I'm trying to I'm trying to put uh, forward because, like I said, we don't have a really decentralized state. So and I think if you have you know more competition at a state level that will be beneficial for us so if we can have like Amsterdam and Rotterdam competing against each other uh for for you know uh, which for 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 the favor of uh, of of the dutchman then that will be an an upgrade so I'm trying to Um, sell the idea of uh, of, of decentralization, uh, uh, where we as a society get more, more say in what, in in, in what laws and policies come forward. Um, and of course, the, 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 the best way of of decentralization is to, is to the individual so you can make up your own mind. But that's, that's, that's one of the angles I try to, uh, 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 um, spin also. Like, we wanna not like a, a top down, but a bottom up. Uh, society and democracy where we as a people decide what uh, uh how we want to uh spend spend our days and uh, our money and uh, uh how we um live our lives and not you know a bureaucratic state uh bureaucracy is also always bad and actually i try to change i, sh- I try to shift because you know libertarians are inherently against the state but here being against the state is like being like a lunatic, like they don't okay. they, they can't imagine having a, a, anything uh, without the state and I always have to i I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm sorry, but I am thinking on the stop defending the United States because they're always being picked on, and I think if you look at the numbers, you know the United States is well you you're you're digressing in 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 liberty and freedom the last decades and also in prosperity uh, as a result of that. Uh, But I cannot, I cannot sell this idea to you know. uh, I have to really talk long to people to get them to this notion that yes, there's a big, big inequality. But if you look at what what is considered poor in the United States, the poor in the United States are well more are better off than the poor in Germany, you know, which is considered a very, very nice example of of of, of, of uh european uh, democracy um i cannot i cannot even tell them that like most people who are considered poor in the united states are better off than middle class in portugal or other you know South, southern european uh countries so uh i i'm really trying to 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 um stop focusing on like hitting the state but i'm i'm st- i'm changing the the narrative on hitting politics you know nobody likes politicians nobody does they all hate right. politicians so that's an easy target you know as i said this whole political system is corrupt political politicians are corrupt they're only you know self-interest we need to get rid of them let's do it ourselves and not, that's not, so i'm not actually i mean that's still the state you know but i'm just calling it differently and they can I mean,
0: it's just a it's a different way to discuss getting rid of the state without saying it because like you said that's going to turn so many people off and it really speaks to to how much we need to know our audience even here yeah. in the United States and I live in California uh, so obviously I, I run into a lot of people that are very progressive minded and when I have conversations with them I can't just nail them right away with that that same language that I might use with say exactly. someone from Texas or, or someone who grew up as a Republican I'm going to use different language even if I'm talking about the exact same thing so uh, just like you're going to talk about how you want the state to have less power but you're not going to use those terms you're going to go after the politicians and like I said I, don't th- I think this is probably true in any any country, everyone views the politicians as corrupt and useless. You know, somehow we don't associate that always with the state, but no. uh, you know, ultimately it is the same thing. So if you're exactly. giving the politicians less power, um, the state will get less power. So you exactly. really are saying the same thing that any of us might say uh, when talking about these ideas, but you just have to use kind of different terms so you don't scare people off right away.
2: Exactly. Maybe one one thing to add. I'm reading. I'm like I stopped reading mostly like all the all the famous books people read from Hayek and Mises and Robert and. Uh, I know and maybe even newer writers on libertarianism and I, I started reading um I'm not into my second book about influence about the the psychology of persuasion and I can all the listeners who are into the free market movement really recommend reading these books I first read Win Bigley from from uh Scott Adams the Dilbert cartoonist yeah. he wrote about uh, the Trump election and the, the tactics he used to get elected and from that book I learned about Robert uh I think you call him Cialdini or Cialdini. Um,
0: uh, yeah, Robert Cialdini. I, yeah, I might be pr- pronouncing it wrong too. I've only read his name.
2: so. Yeah, me too. So Robert, Robert Cialdini, and uh, he wrote the book Influence, which is considered one of the best or maybe the best book on persuasion. And I can really recommend uh, free market, uh, uh, you know, uh, warriors to to read this and see what does it take to persuade people. Because facts and figures, unfortunately, do not do the trick. If facts and figures would do the trick, the Libertarian Party will be the biggest party in the United States already by years.
0: Right. So- I find facts and figures can only really um, solidify a position someone already has, but they're not going to change people's entire you know perception of, of how they view things people come into things with certain thoughts certain emotional feelings biases, about how things yes. should be right certain biases and if if they see facts that don't line up with those they're just going to simply put them to the side they're exactly. not usually going to be influenced by
2: that exactly yeah so this i think this is the, the biggest this is what i'm trying to i had i had we had our, our congress today uh, i mean our a uh, convention today uh, we call it Congress, but it's a convention, uh, a national convention, uh, uh, which is relatively small. But I, I try to repeat this message every time I'm, I, 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 I have one and I speak to people. We need to focus on how to persuade people and and, and realize what you were saying, you know, that it doesn't uh, they just put aside all your faction figures if it doesn't align with their identity, with, with what they've learned in the past. So we need to get past that. And those books will help you do that.
0: Right, and I think it's the the biggest battle for libertarians is to try to get over this idea of winning arguments and yes. like winning battles with people. Because when you come into any political conversation as a battle, as an argument, you need to win. You might walk away feeling like you're smart and you're you're smarter than your debate opponent, but you didn't change their mind. So what's the point? You're, mm-hmm. You haven't actually gotten anywhere. And we exactly. really need to focus more on how we can actually persuade people to view things from our point of view and and ultimately change the way they see things, change their filter on, on the world. And, and at that point, maybe they'll start liking those same facts and figures, but one has to come before the other. Definitely. Well, very cool, Robert. It's been really great talking to you and, and learning a little bit more about uh, you know, how things work in the Netherlands. I'm always interested in, in seeing how these ideas sort of spread and translate in different countries. And that's something I definitely want to explore more as, uh, as I go along here on this podcast journey. So it's been really great speaking to you. I'm sure we'll, we'll keep in touch. And, uh, yeah, we'll definitely have to, uh, especially if you end up coming out back out here in California, we'll definitely have to uh, to hook up and talk a bit more.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed uh, talking to you. Sure thing, Robert. Keep up the great work. Thank you. My name is Dale Kearns
1: and I'm running for United States Senate in Pennsylvania as a libertarian. I'm a concerned citizen who has had enough. I work as a project manager for an electrical contractor in southeastern Pennsylvania. There I manage large commercial and industrial projects. I'm a husband and a father of two energetic little girls. I'm running to advocate for a society where my girls have more liberty, not less. Will you support our campaign? Unlike my competitors, I'm not a career politician. I don't have millionaire and billionaire donors. I'm running for Senate in Pennsylvania because I want to take the message to Washington that we want government out of our lives. Will you let me be your voice? Let me be the voice that says we will not walk quietly down the road to serfdom. The voice that says we need free market solutions. The voice that says we need to end the failed war on drugs. The voice who will fight for the forgotten man, non-violent offenders wasting away in prison, and addicts who are afraid to speak up and seek the help they need. We are seeking members for our campaign team. I encourage you to apply. We need donations to help us spread the message of liberty across the state. We can go on hoping for liberty to happen, or we can fight together. I hope you choose the latter and join me today. Find out more at DaleKerns.com. Paid for by Dale Kearns for office.
0: All right, Liberty Kitty Cats, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Robert Valentine. Of the Dutch Libertarian Party. Really cool to get his perspective of just how you talk to statists over there in a place like Europe, where uh, statism is very much entrenched. It's entrenched everywhere, it's entrenched here in California, that's for sure. And it would be really interesting if uh, Robert did end up coming out here and uh, getting involved in the Libertarian Party and running for Congress here in California, especially with all of his experience uh, talking to European uh, statists, I guess you might say, status types, you know, that it really is ingrained over there, even more so than it is over here here even in the most uh, progressive parts of the country. There, they still have kings and queens. At least we've sort of shed that idea and have the concept of electing citizens to office. It's at least uh, a visual step up. I don't know if the results are are that much better at the end of the day, but uh, great that we can connect with libertarians all over the world. That's why it's so awesome that we live in this world where we have this technology, where we can connect to people, where I can hop on Skype and talk to someone literally all the way across the other side of the globe about the ideas of liberty and then shoot that thing out to you guys, and this is all made possible by our supporters, the Lions of Liberty Pride. Uh, our Many of you know we did have our program through Podbean, our old podcast host. We are migrating off there and launching on Patreon. We've already got some great content up on Patreon, as I mentioned uh, at the top of the show, and we're going to be rolling out more video content, which you weren't really able to do through Podbean before, so I'm really excited to bring you guys some great stuff going forward here. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, John Odermatt has his incredible intervi- interview with uh, Juanita Broderick in video for Patreon subscribers only. So be sure to head over to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. We're trying to finish gathering funds so that John Odermatt and I can go to the LNC uh, in New Orleans and cover the Libertarian National Convention, get some interviews with you on the ground. We're planning to really utilize a lot of the features that we have on Patreon. We have this uh, we can do live streams. We can uh, they have this lens feature where it's kind of like a Snapchat so we can send you guys little videos and stuff like that. And that's the, that's the kind of things we're going to be doing going forward. Getting a lot more creative, more so than just the simple audio podcast that you've been doing. Of course, you'll still be getting all the great stuff we've been doing over the last year plus of the Lions of Liberty Pride, our Conspiracy Corners. We'll be doing another one of those in a few weeks, uh, League of Liberty. We're going to be doing a live League of Liberty at Porkfest. Again, the only reason we have the funds to get out there to Fest in New Hampshire, the only reasons we have the funds to do what we need to do to provide video content, the only reason we have any of this stuff is because of our supporters. And even if you don't support the show financially, I mean, really just listening helps us just getting us those downloads, just sharing the show, telling your friends about it. Uh, These are all the reasons that we continue to do this program when we know that people are continuing to get these ideas in front of them. Because at at the end of the day, that is why we do this. We don't do this program to make a profit. We don't make any profit whatsoever. Every single dime that comes into the show goes right back into the show, uh, back into expanding this conversation and trying to get the word out to more and more people about the ideas of liberty. Because at the end of the day, uh, whether it's over here in the United States, halfway across the world in, in the Netherlands, the only way you're going to change the government the only way you're going to change the laws the only way you're going to change the way we interact with our fellow man is by changing the ideas by persuading people not just by telling them they're wrong I mean uh, it's fun to have these debates late at night and uh, try to prove people wrong I'm not going to act like I don't like to do it but ultimately when we're talking about persuading people politically that's really not going to get you anywhere so I think this is something I'd like to focus on more uh, in some more shows in the future and uh, it's really at the end of the day what we all need to focus on if we want to change the world and if that's not what we want to do what the heck are we doing here anyway guys it's been a blast again don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a darn thing brian mcwilliams will be hitting you this wednesday once again with his weekly shot of comedy culture and liberty on electric liberty land and john of course wraps it up on friday with another hard-hitting look at the broken criminal justice system on felony friday guys it's been a long weekend I got to peace out until next time live long and live free.